Welcome, one and all, to the Games Now podcast, the show where we share our opinions on all things gaming with you, our wonderful audience, in hopes to create a positive community where gamers, both casual and hardcore alike, can share their own thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I'm Brandon Carnahan, and you're probably wondering, where is Andrew Fiok? He is usually the one that says that stuff. Well, tonight, my ladies and gentlemen here, uh, this is a special audio-only mini-episode with just me, yours truly, uh, with special guests, me, myself, and I. Um, so the reason that it's just me tonight is because basically Andrew's body tried to poison him last week. Yeah, so uh, what happened was uh, he had some uh, some troubles with his appendix, and uh, he had to get that sucker removed. So uh, he's recovering currently. And uh, we wish him a speedy recovery, and uh, we're looking forward to having him back here in his usual capacity uh, for next week's show. So in lieu of that, we're just going to kind of soldier on here and do a quick little mini episode with me. Um, We did have a special episode planned for today as a little bit of a holdover, since there are some more heavy hitter releases coming out this week. Um, and those two releases mainly being um, Days Gone, which comes out at the end of this week, and Mortal Kombat 11, which came out today. Um, from what I spoke with Andrew between his uh, pain meds, uh, he did pick up Mortal Kombat 11 today, and uh, he had some some good things to say about it. He'll definitely be able to get into uh, some more detail with that stuff next week. And uh, on Friday, I believe that both of us are going to try to pick up Days Gone, so that'll give us this weekend um, to kind of put some some hours into it and share our thoughts and opinions on Days Gone with you all uh, come next week. So the uh, original episode we had planned, um, we'll kind of keep that under wraps for now uh, because I definitely think we want to come back around to that uh, next time we have a little bit of lull between some of the bigger releases. Um, so we'll just kind of come back around to that one when the uh, when the time is appropriate. Uh, but this week, we've got a couple of things to uh, talk about here. So I'm going to talk about some uh, some gaming news, uh, a couple of things that came out uh, last week, and a couple of uh, newer pieces of information that I think are worth discussing here. And by discussing, really, I mean just me kind of sharing my little soapbox opinion on these things since I don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of this week. Uh, but that's okay. Um, game-wise, uh, I just want to do a real quick little... Uh, talk about Battlefront 2, which is what I put a lot of my time into uh, this past weekend. Um, me and Andrew did play some Battlefront 2 together, and uh, we just kind of been on a little bit of a Star Wars kick with the uh, all the the information about Fallen Order, uh, Jedi Fallen Order coming out last week. So uh, we got some good deals on. The uh, Battlefront 2 on Origin, I had already had it picked up and he picked it up this weekend, so I want to just kind of give some quick hits on that. Uh, I don't want to go into too much depth because I know that Andrew has some thoughts on that as well, and uh, I don't want to hog the whole episode. So, starting off here with uh, 
some news bits. Uh, first thing I want to talk about this week is the Upload VR Showcase. So uh, if you were not already familiar with uh, E3 and its goings-on, uh, basically what happened here is uh, Sony this year decided that they were not going to have a presence at E3. So this is the first year they've ever not been at, uh, at E3. So... Being that they, uh, their PSVR is kind of like the biggest name in VR in terms of uh, recognition, being that you know it has the lowest price point and uh, it's probably the most easy to set up, being that you just kind of plug it into your PlayStation, um, kind of left a little bit of a void for VR games. And you know, Sony is pretty good about repping the VR stuff, specifically PSVR, and and even though it, you know they're just promoting their own platform, they still do get a good bit of information out there. Um, upload VR, they decided that they were going to, uh, you know, kind of take up the mantle and, uh, represent VR by putting together the upload VR showcase. So the general idea with this, uh, showcase here is it sounds like it's pretty similar to, uh, how Nintendo runs Nintendo directs or how Sony has done their uh, first state of play where essentially we've got, uh, some pre-recorded, footage uh at, which is you know the bulk of the show or is the actual content of the show it's not like a live um you know on stage press conference type of deal um but the idea here is that you know they'll show some some game reveals some trailers interviews with developers uh you know basically the same type of stuff that you would expect from a Nintendo Direct or uh from State of Play so um you know i think it'll be interesting to see how everything goes um instead of you know where you would have like with Sony or Nintendo where they're focused on just their stuff uh, you know from their you know first party developers or some exclusives uh, from third party developers things like that um, they they want to focus on VR games uh, from you know all outlets in the industry so whether that's stuff that's exclusive to the rift or to the Vive or to PSVR in general um, they, they want to cover it all. And uh, one of the things that they actually said uh, in the article I read uh, was that, you know, Sony can't cover it all. So that's where they kind of want to fill in that void as well. So I don't know if this is uh, in direct response to Sony not being present at E3 or if, you know, they just felt that they wanted to uh, give more of a spotlight to VR games just in general. So they're going to try to, you know, cover all facets of the VR gaming industry. So me, my hot take on this, um, not really holding my breath on this one, um, just because typically in, in years past with E3, it really does not seem to me like anything outside of your big three companies, you know, your Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, um, or specific publishers. It doesn't really seem like any of these sort of general showcases uh, really have a whole lot going on with them. Um, I know in the, in the past couple of years here, they've tried to put together like PC type of showcases and they always just sort of feel like they fall kind of flat, uh, especially in comparison to the other. So maybe with Sony out of the picture um, and Nintendo just kind of sticking to their their directs and things like that, maybe this does have a chance to uh, succeed. But like I said, I'm not really holding my breath on this as far as this being like some huge earth shattering event. But, I, you know, I'm very happy to be proven wrong on that. So we'll see uh, come June when E3 rolls around. Next up here on my list, um, we have another crossover between Marvel's The Avengers and Fortnite. So they did a quick little tease on their Twitter feed. Um, 
if you were familiar with Fortnite and the Avengers and their, their crossover from uh, years past, uh, basically what they did was uh, they had like a special limited time game mode where uh, somewhere on the map you would find the Infinity Gauntlet. And finding the Infinity Gauntlet would basically take your little Fortnite player character and turn them into Thanos. And it gave you all sorts of crazy powers. I believe you could fly and, you know, shoot rays and whatnot out of the Infinity Gauntlet. And uh, the objective, again, you know, still Battle Royale, be the last person standing. Um, the Infinity Gauntlet just served as like a really jacked up weapon type. But, you know, Thanos, that Thanos character uh, in the game was still able to be killed and uh, if you killed Thanos just like you get you know the your victims uh, spoils and what whatever gear they had in normal battle royale you would be able to pick up the infinity gauntlet and transform into Thanos so uh, this time it looks like they are crossing over and they're going from the hero angle because in the picture that they tweeted out uh, they show Captain America's shield on the arm of one of the Fortnite characters so I suppose that the idea with this is that uh, Cap's shield is going to be uh, an item obtainable in the game. And uh, I would assume it probably has, you know, the ability to deflect some incoming fire and things like that. And I would not be surprised if you're able to, uh, you know, throw it and you know fling it around and have it uh, boomerang back to you onto your arm, uh, Captain America style. Um when they posted this picture on tweet, uh, they also posted it with a tagline, whatever it takes, which if you've paid any attention to the end game marketing, um, you know, that's like their, the tagline that they've been using, whatever it takes here uh, to go back and exact some revenge against Thanos. So it'll be interesting to see if it's just cap shield or if they end up implementing some other fun gadgets from, you know, other Avengers arsenals and things like that. Um, but I think I will probably, man, probably jump on there just to kind of see whatever it is, however briefly that may be, uh, just to kind of see what it's all about. Uh, not really big on Fortnite in general, and I'm uh, kind of moving away from from battle royale stuff. But uh, you know, if something new comes out such as this, I'm not opposed to jumping into that and checking it out. Probably check that out on Switch. I think I've got it uninstalled everywhere else, and it's just kind of hanging out on Switch now, just because it's a uh, it's a nice little freebie. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that actually entails. <coughs> Next up on my list here, um, Sony teased a uh, remake of an older FPS title, 13, that is the Roman numeral 13, XIII, um, that's going to be coming out in November. So uh, this game, I actually had played the original version that came out in GameCube, a uh, number of years ago was, you know, probably uh, one of the first first games that I got for my GameCube way back in the day. Uh, but I do remember playing this game, and I remember it being pretty fun. It had a really cool art style. It was like very cell shady, comic booky, and it looked interesting on the GameCube. And it worked well for uh, you know that level of technology then. Um, the basic idea is you're playing as this character um, who only kind of goes by thirteen. He wakes up. Um, basically finds out that he's accused of assassinating the president and uh, he has no memories, no recollection of what actually happened, but he only has the number 13 tattooed on his shoulder in uh, Roman numerals. So it's sort of like a Jason Bourne type situation where 
he's not sure what's going on. He's accused of all this stuff. And uh, basically what you're trying to do is piece together what actually happened, who you are, you know, figure out what your past is and uh, determine who is framing you. Um, from what I remember, gameplay wise, you know, it played pretty similar to your standard FPS of that era. Um, I do distinctly remember that the controls were not that great. And uh, I think that was kind of a, an issue that was coming about more for the fact that um, first person shooters on consoles were kind of just getting their feet underneath them. Uh, they hadn't really refined, you know, their control scheme as much as they had been uh, today. <coughs> so it'll be interesting to see um, what they're actually able to put together in this remake, you know, refine the controls, put that modern level of polish on them, um, as well as the graphics. Cause again, it had this cell shaded comic booky type of style. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of tackle this with, you know, modern game engines. Um, they did show in that release. Um, it wasn't, really a trailer it was just kind of like a tease um just you know very like james bond intro -y type of deal no in-game anything like that um just you know kind of saying that hey this is coming out on the horizon uh but the one thing that they did show was a render of one of the uh player characters so or I don't think it was a player character. It was like a general or something like that. And it looked pretty cool. It actually kind of gave me some uh, Dishonored vibes where it has that sort of like exaggerated um, comic booky like or painterly kind of uh, feel to it. Um, so it's interesting to, to kind of see how they take this, what it's going to be like. Does it control the same? Um, are they kind of putting an extra layer of flair on it or is it just a straight up one-to-one uh, -one remake on uh, some new tech? So... That comes out on November 13th. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'll probably pick it up uh, at some point. Probably not directly when it comes out, but probably soon after just to see, you know, what's going on with that. Uh, next up, this is the last thing on my news list here. Well, I got two things on my news list here. Uh, next up, uh, Xbox One S All Digital Edition coming May 7th for $250. So um, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like um, it is basically an xbox one s that lacks a disk drive so you know all of your games as the name implies need to be downloaded it's all digital um has a terabyte drive and um basically is not too far off in price from a regular one s one uh, s by itself is like 350 and from what i understand there's a lot of sales going on with those right now probably trying to get rid of some old stock um, so is it really the best value? I, I don't know. That, that's up to you to decide if you're, uh, you know, down with that limited functionality, uh, without the disc drive, which also means, you know, you don't have that price effective or cost effective, um, uh, HD 4k Blu-ray or whatever that, you know, standard is, I stream everything. So I'm not really up in the, uh, the lingo with that, but it does play those discs, um, and, you know, with this all digital edition, you know, you do not have a disk drive to play those. So you're losing out on some functionality there. Um, it does come with three games. Uh, I believe it's uh, Sea of Thieves, Forza Horizon 3, and what is that other one? I should have wrote this down. 
Can't think of what it is off the top of my head, but I do know that it also comes with a three-month subscription to Game Pass, and all three of the games that it does come preloaded with uh, are also on Game Pass, which seems kind of odd. Um, hot take from me on this is um, <clears throat> I think really what they're trying to do is uh, they are using this as a way to warm consumers to the idea of whatever Microsoft has planned for the future of games being streamed. So I think that they're kind of lining themselves up to be in direct competition with uh, Google Stadia. And I think uh, just based on what happened to them in the past with uh, you know their experience in launching the Xbox One where they had ideas that were you know, kind of scary to people at first because, you know, the big changes as far as, you know, the always online type of deal. And now, you know, we're seeing that that future is more or less here. Um, I think they're trying to ease into that transition of this new idea of streaming games uh, versus having the uh, physical media. So I think really what they're going for here is to kind of make this a more transitionary piece of hardware so that uh, they get a better reception when this thing uh, fully rolls out proper, uh, you know, whenever they announce what their uh, their new technology is. So I really think that um, <clears throat> we're going to see a lot of interesting stuff moving forward here just with uh, the announcement of Google Stadia. Um, interested to see what Sony has because I know, uh, like we had talked about last week, whenever um, they were talking about the uh, specs for the uh, quote-unquote PlayStation 5, as if that's not what they're going to name it, um, one of the things that came up was the, I think the actual direct quote was, uh, you know, we're industry leaders in, uh, in streaming games, technology, dot, dot, dot. And they kind of just left it hanging in the air like that. Um, so I'd be very surprised if Sony doesn't offer something along those lines. I don't think that's going to be their primary focus. I think they're, uh, kind of wanting to stick to, you know, those pixels being rendered right there in your living room under your TV, um, whereas I think Microsoft is kind of looking ahead to uh, take some of that computing power and uh, add that into the cloud because that was originally one of the things that they were trying to do with the Xbox One. I think the big issue with that is the games that uh, actually were able to take that idea and use them, i.e. Crackdown 3, um, they were just not ready to go. They needed a lot longer in the oven, and as we saw uh, recently, Crackdown 3 did come out, and that idea of you know using the cloud computing to calculate how these buildings fall and crumble and tumble, um, that was actually conspicuously absent from the uh, final release. So I think they had a lot of good ideas then that uh, didn't really come to fruition. Um, so I think they're probably going to try to follow up on that and you know realize uh, what they had originally set out to create with the one. So. Very interested to see where this goes as far as uh, Microsoft's new game plan for uh, next gen. Uh, this stuff is always exciting to hear about, and uh, you know, as time goes on, we're we're starting to slowly, slowly get that drip feed of information about what is next on the horizon here for um, new game consoles and and the future of gaming. So it's a very exciting time to uh, to be involved with and be covering this stuff. Last thing on my list here before I jump into some Star Wars Battlefront 2 is uh, another piece of retro nostalgia that seems to be rampant these days. We've got our 
PlayStation classics, and then before that we had our Super Nintendo classics, and recently we also had our Sega Genesis Mini, and then starting the whole trend we had the NES Classic. Now, we've got something from, instead of a hardware manufacturer, from a software a company, producer, how do we want to phrase that? I don't know if you really manufacture software. Publisher. Anyway, however you want to slice it, uh, this is coming from Capcom, uh, who is really, they're not, you know, again, not making hardware, but they are well known in uh, in their games that were super popular in uh, arcades in the late 80s, early 90s. So what they've put together is they're calling it the Capcom Home Arcade. So it is a giant two-player arcade stick that features uh, all the, the buttons and the actual joysticks that you would find in an arcade. Um, and they are apparently using the Sanwa buttons and joysticks, which from uh, my own experience, those are like the go-to industry standards. Uh, if you are building yourself your own arcade cabinet powered by a Raspberry Pi or something else like that, um, so it's cool that they're using those um, high-quality buttons and joysticks. Uh, but the thing, <laughs> it, it's so ridiculous looking. If you haven't seen it yet, I, I really encourage you to uh, hop on Google and search the Capcom Home Arcade so that you can get a look at this thing. Um, it is literally a gigantic Capcom logo. The the yellow, blue, and white Capcom logo is the actual like base of this arcade stick. It's the most ridiculous thing that I've ever seen. Um, I think personally it's super ugly. Like it's just disgusting because it's, it is literally the Capcom logo. Like it, it just seems <laughs> so unimaginative to me. Uh, it's like, it's not very slick. It, it just, it, it's, it's the logo. There's no other way to say it. It's just the logo Capcom logo with buttons in joysticks sticking out of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It really didn't, uh, it didn't do much for me in terms of visuals. Um, but that being said, I know that there are a lot of people that are really into building their own arcade cabinets, having that all set up and, you know, making their own, uh, kind of in-home arcade experience. So I would be really shocked if people either aren't just straight up incorporating this into like a full cabinet build to play all their Capcom games. Uh, or if people dissect this thing and uh, use their own buttons and their own joysticks to put this into um, their own home and cabinets or, or build, you know, a, a brand new cabinet around this thing. Um, I, I almost wish that they would have included or, or had as like a different SKU, a, a do it yourself option where they give you like, here's, here's the, the brains of this thing. And here's how you hook up all your buttons and your joysticks. You can configure that yourself and just kind of, you know, a DIY kit for people that want to build like a full on cabinet <clears throat> because really like this thing is just so ugly, so ugly. Um, I, I think just honestly like a black box, with some kind of like trim or some, you know, relevant graphics, uh, you know, game logos, screenshots, some kind of like a collage and literally anything other than the giant Capcom logo, uh, would be better. Like it literally looks, uh, it, it looks like it, it's a piece of concept art, but it, no, it's, it's this, this is the actual thing. So, 
Uh, I know I'm just I'm going on in here about what the stupid stick itself looks like. Um, I think the real test on this thing is going to be, uh, you know, what's that input lag like? How crisp is it? How well does it run? Because I know a lot of these Capcom games are fighting games. Um, you know, Street Fighter's on there. I think there's an Alien versus Predator fighting game on there as well. Um, and, you know, fast reaction times, low input lag is super important for these type of games. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if this runs better than uh, some of the stuff that is running on Raspberry Pis and other emulators, uh, you know, that type of thing. Does it, is it actually close to uh, that arcade experience where you have that familiar level of input lag and, and you know, latency? And does it does it actually mirror the uh, original arcade cabinets more closely than these retro um, emulators do? So we'll see what comes out of that. Like I said, I, I very much anticipate to see uh, some really cool hack builds where people take this thing apart. And I think that's probably the most exciting thing for me because that really this the, the whole idea of uh, arcades and these type of games, they're really like before my time as a gamer. So I, I don't have, uh, you know, unfortunately, that level of appreciation that some other people would do. But I know there are people out there that are just like all gung ho about this sort of stuff. And it's really cool to see what they put together and uh you know what they create and i love to see that type of stuff um along the same lines um <clears throat> i did see uh posted late last week uh somebody i don't know if it was a 3d print or if it was just like a straight up build with uh, other materials but uh somebody had made a stand for their nintendo switch which essentially uh you know allowed them to plug in their controllers in the front and the actual screen itself kind of sat in what looked like a miniaturized arcade cabinet, which was super cool. Um, that was really awesome. Uh, I, I encourage you to look that up as well. Just a little Nintendo Switch arcade stand. That was pretty sweet. Just kind of thinking along the lines of uh, this home arcade and, and DIY builds and the cool stuff that uh, all these people online tend to come up with. So, <clears throat> again, looking forward to seeing how that turns out. So that's our weekly news roundup. What's going on here between uh, last week and now? Uh, last thing I've got for you guys here today before I call it a night is uh, just some quick thoughts on Star Wars Battlefront 2, the much maligned uh, EA release, um, the latest Star Wars game we've got. Um, so to kind of preface this, um, I did not purchase this at launch. I really wanted to. Uh, up until I played the uh, the beta and saw kind of how things were going to be handled with the microtransactions, and then soon after, just all that you know that deluge of information about how they were you know really pushing the microtransactions and just a lot of pay to win type of stuff, just bad, bad, bad business practices um, that you know you'd like to force all on uh, on EA, but it's kind of hard for uh, us to separate them from the developers when you know they're working so closely on this uh, and it just seems so typical of EA that uh, you know it's, it's altogether not that surprising unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> but the nice thing about this now is that most of that stuff uh, pretty much has been uh, those issues have been solved or corrected in some way. I know that they the progression system uh, really got an overhaul. Um, and uh, the, this game goes on sale a lot more frequently than you would uh, when you would expect. Um, I know I picked this up around Christmas time for like six, seven bucks. Uh, and I really just wanted to grab it because I was curious about 
Um, the single player aspect of it, I didn't really plan on getting into the multiplayer that much. And I was just curious uh, about the single player because I heard that the story wasn't too bad. So, uh, I, you know, saw it on sale for seven bucks, had some gift cards left over from Christmas. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna bite the bullet. I'm going to grab this thing and, uh, and play it for a little bit. So I played it for, I don't know, a couple missions, uh, in the single player. And then, uh, some other stuff came out and needed to make some room on the hard drive. Um, and it got uninstalled and just kind of sat there by the wayside for a while. So uh, fast forward to last week, all hyped up about uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, we might want to get into Star Wars Battlefront. Give that a try, blah, blah, blah. Um, just kind of basically saying, hey, maybe we'll wait for uh, May the 4th to come around because they usually do some crazy good sales on Star Wars games where you get this stuff for like pennies on the dollar. Um, so we're going to kind of wait around for that, see what those sales looked like. And then, uh, Andrew was browsing through the origin store and it just so happened that it was on sale for like four bucks. Uh, so he picked that up on like Wednesday or so of last week, somewhere around there. And, uh, when he told me that I was like, well, I already have it. I'll go ahead and, uh, reinstall this bad boy. And, uh, I did that and, uh, we weren't able to hook up immediately. Uh, whenever I had it downloaded because it's a sizable game and uh, I kind of got back to him a little bit late uh, but Friday during the day uh, I had off for spring break and uh, my mother was watching my son so I had uh, a good chunk of time in the morning since you know once you have kids eventually you will uh, kind of work yourself into waking up early if you're not a morning person I got up early had a ton of time to kill uh, before I had to pick him up and not really a whole lot that I needed to do uh, at home so I was like you know what I am going to pop into uh, Battlefront 2 and I'm going to try some online because there was a new uh, game mode that came out, Capital Supremacy Mode, and I was like, I'm going to give this a try see what it's like. Um, so I jumped in there <clears throat> and I played for my with just me solo uh, for probably about an hour on Capital Supremacy Mode, the newest game mode that they came out with. Um, this game mode, uh, really enjoyed it. It is basically akin to the uh, like the naval supremacy or the uh, Titan mode from uh, 2142 naval supremacy being in uh, Battlefield 4 where uh, the two teams are basically uh, vying for these control points or some objectives on the map and once you capture all of them or deplete your enemy's tickets down to a certain amount um, you are able to board some sort of a vessel of some type in Battlefield 4 it was an aircraft carrier in uh, Titan mode in 2142 it was this uh, sort of like floating battle station type of deal. Uh, in this, it is a capital ship of either the uh, Republic uh, clone troopers or uh, the battle droids, the uh, the separatists. Um, <clears throat> so there's various points around the map you have to capture. And uh, once you have uh, so many tickets of the other team depleted or you, you raise your number up to a certain number, um, it does this little like evac situation where um, you're trying to, if you're the attacking team that has all the points, um, your command calls in, uh, some shuttles. You have to get back to the shuttles, hop on those. And, uh, however, basically the more people that make it to the shuttles without dying, um, the higher number of assaulters you start off with when you get onto the enemy's capital ship. So the enemy team is trying to kill, uh, as many of the opposing team members as they can so that they don't have to fight through as many waves to defend their ship. Uh, once you get onto the ship, uh, it is some close quarters combat as you have to take um, some certain points. And the objective is uh, to get to 
the uh, the team's rea- the the ship's reactor. So you have to go through I believe two like control points that are in like a hangar type of area, uh, and then once you get through those, then you have to go into the core of the ship and then overheat it so that it, you know can't cool or whatever, and then the, the ship blows up. The coolest part about this is that if you are inside of the enemy's capital ship and you lose, it does not you know, end the game right there. It's not like, all right, you completely lost. No, it sends you back into a ground battle where you have to take those capture points again. And if you get them again, then you go back onto their ship and you will pick up right where you left off with a new set of uh, spawn tickets. And you can basically kind of go back and forth, you know, trying to get into the other enemy's uh, reactor to overload it and destroy the ship. And it will basically go on as many times as it needs to until somebody's ship gets destroyed. So it's very possible that you can just kind of be going back and forth between uh, offensive and defensive in in your ship and their ship back and forth. Um, Feels really dynamic, really open-ended. I had a blast with it and I, I mean I literally think I played one match for close to like an hour maybe an hour and a half which is a lot of time to put into a single match for a game but it, it felt so fluid and and the change of pace between being on the ground battles and, and playing up in the close quarters inside of the capital ships it was really fun um you know in typical battlefield fashion it rewards you for playing the objective and you know you know just not just running around and, and just blasting people so um, it was really fun. I enjoy that type of gameplay. Um, the effects and everything. The game looks really good. It runs really well. Um, it, it feels like you're playing a Star Wars movie. All the sound effects are, are great and crisp, and you know the visuals just are like the icing on the cake with that. So um, I had a blast with that. <clears throat> and uh, as I was finishing up my match, I texted Andrew and I was like, "Dude, this Capital Supremacy mode is." awesome like just super fun like if you're not busy like you got to get in on this and he was like oh you're playing right now because normally uh you know i'm at work at that time on fridays um so he was all jazzed he, he hopped on and uh we tried to get into a uh, capital supremacy match together and matchmaking just like was not jiving with having two people in a party for whatever reason um so we jumped into some other game modes um there's numerous ones we kind of focused on two of them um, the first is Galactic Assault, which is kind of like the base game mode, um, you know, similar to Rush in uh, Battlefield, where you're like pushing through objectives and things like that. Uh, but the nice thing about this is, you know, since we're in the Star Wars universe, um, it's much more story-oriented, story-oriented than uh, Battlefield games are. So um, you know, you're doing something that makes sense in the context of whatever faction you're playing on with in whatever era it is. So uh, I know the one map that I played on. <clears throat> Uh, we were the, the Rebel Alliance on Endor fighting against the Imperial Remnants. And uh, we were trying to uh, capture some of their AT-AT walkers. So we had to go through and there was three capture points that we had to get. Uh, once we had all three of them, then we were able to start up this uh, AT-AT walker. And it started just rolling through the forest of Endor, you know, chugging along. And then we had to defend it. So uh, along its route... There are rocket launchers that the Imperials could use to try to take down our AT-AT. So we're like going underneath these like Ewok villages and uh, catwalks and stuff, trying to uh, just like suss out where the Imperials are so that they're not blasting our uh, AT-AT walker that's moving towards its objective. And you know you gotta gotta guard it all the way till it gets to this bunker, and then you go into the bunker. 
And inside of the bunker, there's like a series of like three more control points that you have to get to in order to, uh, you know, destroy the shield so that you can get out or I can't remember exactly what it was, but I know that it, it was story oriented, which was really cool for this type of game. Instead of just, you're going to go take a and B and then you're going to push forward to the next zone and then you're going to take a and B again and then you're going to push forward to the next zone. Um, so it was, you know, had more, uh, you know, more reasoning behind it. And it was cool because each map has its own like set of objectives. And even though they're really, you know, just, a mixture of defending and capturing points. Um, it just that little extra layer of story. It just, it made it feel more interesting. It had, you know, that, just that little piece of narrative, um, just that kind of just bumped it up, uh, you know, one, that one extra notch that made it a little more, a little more cool. So, uh, other things we had to do, uh, as far as this game mode goes, just me playing this and not just limited to what Andrew and I had played. Um, there is a map, uh, that is Jakku from the the new trilogy, uh, where you're fighting inside of one of the down star destroyers, which is a really interesting map. Um, trying to push back um, the uh, the first order because you found this droid and you're trying to escape with this droid, so you're kind of like falling back as they they push forward to, to also steal this droid. Um, there was another one that took place during the uh, prequel era, <clears throat> where uh, the Republic clone troopers are, uh, they've basically been like cut off from their main ground forces and you have to kind of like rally, uh, start up some, uh, some of their walkers. I can't remember what they're called on the top, off the top of my head. Um, and basically, you know, move those to a certain point and, and set up an evac to, to get out of there before the battle droids overrun you. Um, there was another really cool one that was, uh, crate from, uh, last Jedi where you're in you know, that salt planet and you run around those little skimmers and uh, you have these two uh, first order AT-AT walkers coming at you, <clears throat> and you're like in the trenches uh, as the resistance, and you have to grab these um, like ion cannons, and you have to lock on to the AT-ATs. And once you fire on them, it lowers their shields and it makes them able to be damaged, lowers their defenses. And then you either come in uh, with some heavy weapons or you get into one of like the little skimmers from uh, last Jedi and you have to blast them and basically try to destroy them before they get to the hangar, just like in, in the movie. So it felt very reminiscent of the, that scene in the movie, which is really cool. Um, if they make it there, then you kind of have to fight back through a couple of control points within the, uh, the hangar to try to hang on to victory. Um, so again, lots of story oriented stuff, super fun. The other game mode that we put a lot of time into was the heroes versus villains mode. And the best way to describe this is that it is just straight up good, dumb fun. Super straightforward how it works. You're either on the hero team or the villain team. And depending on which team you're on, you pick from the rosters of heroes or villains from the all three trilogies. Um, and Basically, you choose somebody you like or somebody you're good with, and then you just run around and you just slam on the other team with all of your cool force abilities or your blaster abilities, your lightsabers, all that kind of stuff. Super fun playing as all these iconic characters. Um, there is like a bit of a strategy to it. Um, each team will have one one of the uh, the heroes or villains will be like the target, so everyone's trying to gun for that one person. You have uh, basically like ten times where you have to kill the, you know, the other target, the other team's targeted person 10 times and they're trying to do the same thing. And you want to be the first one to deplete the other team's uh, resources or, or targets to, to zero from 10. 
Um, the Jedi's are the most used ones. I think that they're uh, kind of OP, OP compared to like the blaster based enemies, but you can play as the blaster based enemies. You just can't be as like aggressive and in, in your face. You have to kind of hang back and pick people off. <coughs> the uh, main reason that the Jedi's feel so overpowered is because they have a lot of uh, force abilities where you're like lifting people in the air, pulling them back or pushing them. And then it's just like ragdoll city, which is really funny. Uh, also frustrating at times. Um, but it's really cool. I had a lot of face offs, you know, where I was Luke and finding like Vader and Kylo Ren and stuff and just all these like crazy, like action figure type battles, uh, from people that would like never meet up in the uh, trilogy and, uh, just super fun. Um, all the costumes for all the heroes and villains are really neat. Um, lots of different alternate looks and just in general, the, uh, the way they've been able to recreate all these well-known characters is just like off the charts, super cool. Like it looks amazing. Like you can tell that you're looking at, uh, the actors, you can tell exactly who it is. It's not, you know, like an off version or like the, the good value brand of, of Mark Hamill or anything like that. Um, they didn't get the original voice talent for, I think like any of these characters. Um, some of them are voiced by like their clone wars, uh, TV series counterparts. So I know Obi-Wan and I believe Anakin as well are voiced by the same people that do Obi-Wan and Anakin from the, uh, clone war series. But you can definitely tell that Han Solo is somebody doing their best, uh, impression of Han Solo. Likewise with, uh, Luke Skywalker, just kind of doing their Mark Hamill impression, but, uh, they're, they're passable and you know, they, they have some quips here and there. They don't have like a, a ton of dialogue in the uh, multiplayer. They have a lot more in the story. But um, <clears throat> overall, I'm having really a good time with it for, you know, five bucks. Um, I can I can overlook all of the uh, the nonsense from the uh, the launch and uh, just kind of enjoy it for for what it's become. And it's it's been holding my intention for a lot longer than I thought it would. And I've just been having a blast with it. Um, don't really want to get into too much more about it. I know that was kind of a good chunk of, of information. Um, nice little quick review for you. Um, but I definitely want to have some more discussion about this in the uh, the coming episodes here. So uh, in terms of Star Wars stuff, um, our plan here moving forward. So this should be, uh, I think, episode 23 for us. Let me double check here. So I'm not speaking out of turn. Yeah, this, so this will be episode 22 or episode 23. Episode 22 is what we have uh, up at this ter- current time. All right, Siri. Um, so this will be episode 23 episode 24 next week, uh, is in all likelihood going to be focused on, uh, days gone and mortal Kombat 11, which takes us to the uh, milestone episode, episode 25, the plan for that episode. I'll give you a little insider information. I mean, I don't know really who feels or needs to feel like they're on the inside of this. Uh, but the plan is, Episode 25, uh, we want to have, or we're going to, we've been talking with uh, Andrew and Connor from Greedo Shop first about doing a crossover episode with them since we were on theirs, uh, you know, two weeks ago at this point now. Um, we would love to have them on our show. So I think uh, Battlefront 2 is something that the four of us have all played. I think that'll probably be a focal point of our, our talk on Star Wars games, and we'll probably jump into some other odds and ends uh, with some other star Wars titles and that'll be coming to you, uh, episode 25. So not next week, but the week after that, uh, you know, if all things go according to plan. So something to look forward to 
on the uh, on the horizon there with those guys. So that sh- that'll more than likely not be a live show. Uh, we'll probably record that ahead of time because I know our typical recording schedule doesn't really jive with uh, with theirs and their day to day and whatnot. So we'll probably do that over the weekend. Uh, ahead of time. And I think the plan is that we'll do kind of like a watch party or something like that on, uh, on Facebook live and just kind of play back the uh, episode. And I think me and Andrew will probably just hang out in the chat. <clears throat> so if you do have something to add, if you are someone that's watching it on the stream, um, you know, we'll still be able to uh, interact with you um, to that end with the uh, pre-recorded podcast. So that's episode 25 coming up here. And, uh, think that just about does it here. So we're clocking in right around like 45 minutes by myself. So I think you've probably heard enough of me for uh, one episode by myself. Uh, Hopefully by next week, Andrew will be uh, right as rain and uh, ready to go. Um, As always, we'll uh, be going live on Facebook. Basically, every time we've done this, except for literally just today, uh, we go live Tuesdays on Facebook right around 9 p.m. Uh, our Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash gamesnat. That's G-A-M-E-S-N-A-T. If you want to follow us on iTunes, if you aren't already, look us up. The full name of the podcast, Games and App Podcast on iTunes. Give us a rate, a review, and a subscribe. That helps us show up uh, more prominently in the uh, search results, gets us you know, a little more uh, coverage in terms of what shows up in iTunes. Uh, follow us on there if you aren't already. And if you are, if you haven't given us a rate and review, please, please, please help us out there with that. You can also follow us on Facebook, where again, we live stream every Tuesday. Um, give us a follow and uh, you know give us a share if you think people uh, that you're friends with on Facebook would be interested in. Um, help get the word out for us, you know, grow our audience. We love to, uh, have more interaction with everybody in here. And again, kind of foster that positive community building. If you want to get at us with a listener review or just kind of chime in with something we've talked about, um, you can get at us via our email address, which is the GNA podcast at gmail.com. Or you can comment on any of our live videos, whichever one it pertains to. Those uh, live videos stay up archived on our Facebook page. Or you can just write on our wall on uh, on Facebook. We'll get a notification for either. So we'll be able to uh, you know take a look and uh, respond or address to those comments either in the next episode or directly respond to it uh, on the actual comment itself. Uh, still looking for some segue music. If you're into that sort of thing, uh, send it our way. We'd love to have some, uh, some segue music here, maybe for like the end, something to play in the background. We're going through our, uh, our whole spiel here. Uh, so if that's something that interests you, uh, throw that our way. We'd uh, love to feature you on, on the, uh, on the show. And, uh, aside from that, I think, uh, that pretty much covers it. So uh, our takeaway here, as always, is uh, you know even though we uh, we're on here talking about what we think, what we like, what we don't like, regardless of what we say to you on this podcast or what you might read online from other outlets or here on other podcasts, the important thing to remember is that the only opinion that matters is your own. Play the games you like, hate the games you don't like. It's all good. Focus on your own opinion. And with that, we'll catch you all next Tuesday live with me and Andrew.
Until next time, have a great week.